We had moved already, I think, two or three times, and we lost the words to the song. And I didn't have them memorized. We knew the tune, and so I had looked in this spot over and over again for years. I know it wasn't there, but it was there. So I, I was in the bedroom of our apartment here in Franklin, and I come running out of the room. I said, I found it! <laughs> said, you found what? I found our song! This is Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church in Franklin, Indiana, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. Current Church meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear in Franklin and exists to encounter God, equip the church, and engage the world. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Find out more at currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Now here's your host, Jeremy. Hey, did you miss us? Welcome back after our very unintentional summer break, but hey, 2020, you know. Got a themed episode for this one. Going to bring back Pastor Jim Palmer. Also going to uh, visit with some very surprise special guests safely at a distance on the old-fashioned telephone. So be looking forward to that. Uh, Jim Palmer has been married 47 years to his wife, Kathy. We know them. We are praying for them. Also, uh, Jim just launched his brand new website. That is studioforhim.com. So be sure to give that a visit. You didn't hear this from me, but he made it himself. Pretty impressive. So we welcome back Jim Palmer on the Big C Little C podcast. Thanks for listening. Right exactly two years since you were in here for the first time with your keyboard. Wow. Jim is here. No keyboard this time. Plenty of notes. Also coming up later, original music from Jim Palmer. Mm. I've been told. Okay. But welcome back. Before we dive into the meat of the subject, how are you doing and what's new with you? Um, If you're referring to my health, I am enjoying life on a day-by-day basis and the Lord is good. Yes. Um, I was... Diagnosed with Parkinson's uh, back in 2013. The last year, I've seen the most dramatic changes. I'm uh, just doing what I can do to uh, stay healthy as I possibly can. And, and in fact, I go and work out, and I walk, and I even do some running. In fact, I found out that it's not unusual for Parkinson's patients to be able to run better than they can walk. No kidding. And ride their bicycle better than they can walk. So, um, do you have a bike? Yes, I do. Cool. So, um, I'm, I'm learning. Um, I'm going to say something here real quickly, and that is one of the things that I'm learning is it's one thing to be on the side of the ministry side where I pastor people that are going through problems that I had known nothing about, suddenly becoming one of those who's on the other side. And now I know something about real struggles 
He used to have to say, I don't know what you're going through, Mm -hmm. but God does. Now I can say, at least every once in a while, I can say, I think I know what you're going through. And, of course, God does. So uh, it's okay. We could talk about it later, but I know you have a new website as well. So people who knew you from uh, My God Journey on Facebook, there's been a transition there. Yeah. In fact, I just... uh, we just uh, went online uh, with, the, with the full website. Uh, the uh, website is uh, studioforhim.com. And, of course, him relates to Jesus, the Lord, my Lord and Savior. I have really been involved in, in social media ministry for the last several years, and I've been collecting all this, this files and and everything that I've been uh, creating with the help of the Lord. And now I decided to enlarge my Internet footprint, and I've uh, started out on my own with my own set. So enjoy it. You've got to be blessed with how the website has, has turned out. I think it's very impressive. I mean, I hope so. I, I hope that, just like anything else I, I try to do with, with the help of the Lord, my goal is to impact lives for et- eternally. If I'm not doing something with a eternal significance, I feel like I'm not doing what the Lord purposed me to do. And so if it, if it accomplishes that, I'm a happy camper. One of my goals for the podcast in 2020 was to do some um, themed episodes, mm. not necessarily just personality profiles, which they are great, and I want to do more of still, but I wanted to broach some, some themes and some topics. So today's topic is something that I wouldn't dare uh, dig into by myself, but Jim is a man who has been married for quite some time. He has children who have been married. Mm-hmm. He was a pastor for so many years, so I'm sure he did some marital counseling, some premarital counseling. He has an, an extended family across multiple states. He knows family. Well, don't make it sound like I'm some kind of a professional or expert because okay. I'm not. But then forget all that. <laughs> My wife and I met when we were very young. In fact, I think she was 13 and I was 14. And she tells me she knew that she was going to marry me from the very beginning. I wasn't sure of that at all. In fact, I wasn't thinking about marriage. Uh, But she had, had me pegged and she was 18 and I was 19. It was challenging. But now here we are, 47 years later. What I mean challenging, I don't mean that as bad, awful. It just, I just mean to tell you that if you haven't realized it by now, marriage is a challenge. I believe that a couple, when they step away from the altar on the day of their wedding, they have a target on their back, and the enemy is determined to take them out. But it uh, doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. doesn't have to be that way. Um, can I start uh, by doing something I used to do as a pastor, and that is, can I, can I read the opening portion of a wedding here on this? That seems fitting. Is it, okay, let me do that. I'm, of course, a little traditional because I am uh, 66 and counting <laughs> and been in the ministry for 48 years. But let me just read. This is the part of the wedding that I liked the most because I believe there needs to be a statement that describes to everybody in, in the room what marriage is about. And I would usually open a wedding ceremony with these words. Marriage is an institution ordained of God. When man's estate was that, a, that of innocence and supreme happiness, 
God prepared a perfect home for Adam and placed him in the midst of a beautiful garden, rich in earth's choicest fruits. He gave him blessed employment, free from anxiety and toil in caring for the garden. At first, man was alone, having no human associate and helper. Birds and beasts and all the living creatures of the earth could not bring him to satisfaction. God is pictured as noting man's incompleteness and lack of perfect happiness apart from a woman. Now follows the beautiful story of a forming woman from his side. Let us not forget the great lessons God would teach by this story. Let us look at the proper relationship between husband and wife. And then here's a statement, probably my most favorite statement. I wanted it in every ceremony. It goes like this, that she was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled by him, but out of his side to be equal with him and under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be loved. When God made woman, he made her to be man's helper and companion. He said, I will make for him a help as his counterpart. And I'll stop there, but the idea is she's there because it's a God plan. I want to say four things real quick. Yeah. God ordained marriage. God defined marriage. God exemplifies marriage. And marriage testifies of God. We're going to hear from a couple people in the body at Current, an example of marriage, giving glory to God, doing kingdom work. Might I say that your radio voice is in fine form tonight, mm-hmm. coming through real good. A person that I thought of when I was planning tonight's episode, uh, the Swopes, as we know and love, Warner and Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany has agreed to come on the phone. I'm fascinated by the story of the Swopeses. Swoops I, because I know you guys got married very young, mm-hmm. and you have, um, for all intents and purposes, beaten the odds, and have a flourishing family, and are elders at current, and have a great story. Both you and Warner are creative people, talented people, big dreamers, and so how do you, with aspirations and, and things going on of your own, how do you chase your dreams while still supporting somebody as ambitious as Warner? Um, well, the ugly side of marriage is the fact that sometimes you have to put your dreams um, on hold while someone else is chasing theirs. Um, and sometimes it is a joint decision. Sometimes it's not a joint decision. When Warner and I got married, you guys know that we were 18. Um, I was actually in school for music ed, but we couldn't afford for me to stay in. Even though I had almost a full ride, I wow. couldn't afford to stay in. So I dropped it and chose obviously the married life and we roughed it out like we're poor for the longest time, living from paycheck to paycheck. And I tried to stay involved with my dreams, but ultimately my dream was to be married to my best friend. So I knew that I had to work two jobs. I had to we both had to just do what we had to do to survive and be a family unit. And when he started in the band, it was really hard mm-hmm. because it's what I wanted to do, but I couldn't do it. So there was a little bit of, like, jealousy with that. And 
we had to talk about it a lot. We had to find outlets for me to be able to still sing and perform. And going to his shows and supporting him, although it was like a little sad for me, was also really exciting to watch him do what he wanted to do. I love the performance aspect of it. And um, then when I finally had an opportunity to seize my dream job, he was like, go for it, go for it, go for it. You have to. Yeah. And it's been hard because our schedules are conflicting, but now we're both living the dream, like literally. And neither of us are jealous of each other. And we both have time for our families. We both have time to do exactly what we want to do. It just took a little bit of patience and a weird way to get there. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I appreciate you being honest about how it was in the, in the early days because that was a real thing for you guys, I'm sure. Are there? Oh, yeah. I was so jealous. I was like, how come you get to perform and I can't? <laughs> like, this is not fair. For those of you who don't know, Tiffany works at Indian Creek High School. You are the... The high school choir and musical director. And you've really come alive and, and flourished in that position, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. I It's not work. I yeah. love going to work. So the whole pandemic thing, although I got to be with my infant, I was chomping at the bit yeah. to get back to school. It's perfect. It doesn't feel like a job. That's where, I mean, I teach in the same room that Warner and I fell in love in. Wow. So it's a nice little daily reminder. Yeah, that I did not know. What a yep. sentimental place <laughs> to have met. It is. Yes. What kinds of things do you look back as 18-year-olds? As What's something that you know that God maybe supernaturally equipped you to with and what's something um, what's something you absolutely wish you would have known equipped us with the ability to deal with loss mm. um we lost a lot of people in high school um i lost my dance partner in show choir my freshman year she was hit by a snowplow mm. and uh later the next year a boy on my bus was shot and killed by his dad the next year a girl in our show choir, her brother had special needs and uh, was caught in a house fire. Ugh. And then our senior year, a new teacher that came to our school, uh, neither Warner and I had her, but other people in our class had her. Um, she was hit by a guy who was high and was killed in a car accident. And not a few, a few months later, I think, um, there was a guy that... It was Warren's best friend in high school, but we picked him up every day for school to make sure that he got to school. He was like our ministry. He got into a vehicle with somebody who was high, and the, he was killed in a car accident. So every single year, yeah. we had heartache that we had to deal with. And I'm glad that that happened because after we got married, we lost baby. Mm -hmm. We lost a baby and couldn't get pregnant for the longest time, and it being able to deal with the depression and deal with loss helped us chug through that. Yeah. It still was terrible. Yeah. It really, really helped us chug through that. Something Talk that I wish that I would have known, um, how much student loans are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really wish I had known that. Oh, but honestly, if I had known, here, this is what I would say. If I had known that we could have refilled our FAFSA out after we had gotten married, I wouldn't have had to drop out of school. Oh, my. But nobody told us that. Wow. Because we had filled out our FAFSAs underneath our parents' names. Yeah. Pre-marriage. And if we had refilled it out, I would have been going to school for free and lived on campus. <laughs> well. Where did you go to school? University of Indianapolis. Okay. You were a greyhound. 
Yeah, um, I was. And now I can officially say I'm a moose because I'm enrolled to finish it finally at the University of Maine. So, Moose, you say? I'm a moose. What, what, what a transition. <laughs> Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> we are keeping Tiffany from her dinner, so I'll ask one more question. Okay. Um, and you have you mentioned the loss, and you had talked about that in the gatherings, so I, I think you have been comfortable using it as a testimony. Oh, but very comfortable. What did you learn about marriage and about one another walking through that together? Um, the first time... We were 18, so we were really, really young. I don't know if we learned a lot except for the fact that um, happiness can be momentary. So that one, I think, was particularly hard, especially since we had never been able to successfully have a baby. So for seven years, we were like, we don't even know if this is going to happen. So after we had Jude, we're like, we can do this. This is exciting. But then we had two more miscarriages, and we were able to cling to that first one knowing that it was going to be fine. Like, we have one. Like, God fulfilled the promise that he told Hannah. He fulfilled my promise, too. Hmm. So anything of over and above that is going to be pure joy. That's powerful. And now none of that works, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. I think three is enough. <laughs> no more smoke clans. <laughs> uh, Jim, you got anything else for Tiffany before we cut her loose? I just admire your uh, determination and I see so many in my lifetime, especially in the ministry, I've seen so many people who have run up into a a difficult time, whether it's with their own marriage or whether it's with a friend, a loved one, and it literally just rocked their boat so hard that they just quit. And so I love the story that says, we didn't quit, we depended upon the Lord, and He was faithful. Oh, absolutely. I so at some point, I will regale you with the full story, yeah. but the Lord brought Warner to me specifically. Good. Yeah. <laughs> there will be a Tiffany Swopes episode. Oh, Lord. You don't want that. Some coming to a podcast <laughs> coming, near you. Coming soon. Uh, Tiffany Swopes, glad you were able to do this. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Jim, I've got a couple questions for you. Okay. What is, in your mind, is the number one way that a husband and wife can use their marriage to glorify God? To glorify God, I, I believe that a marriage has to be focus on God. And we have to be very careful with with the things that we go through, that we don't allow things to lead us away from the plan and the purpose of God. I think it's not just going to church, although going to church is good for a couple. It's not just to glorify God has everything to do with being and not just doing. A good marriage to me, I think it says something about who you are in the Lord. And there's been times I haven't always been the best example of that because I struggle just like everybody else. But I really feel that when it's all said and done, if people can see through our love with our mate, then no matter how tough it gets, no matter how challenging it becomes, there is a determination together, together, to walk together. I think that's a, that's a missing ingredient today in our day and age. There's a, there's a passage of Scripture, and it's, it's commonly used and talked about, but I don't know that it's really understood. And it's found in Genesis 3, as well as Matthew 19. And here's the verse that I'm referring to. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. If there's anything I think that glorifies God, is the oneness 
of marriage because that is stability. That is what was missing in Adam's life. We were created in the image of God, and marriage represents, it exemplifies God, and oneness is probably the key characteristic of God. My wife and I, we walked to the altar, two people. We stepped away from the altar, one person. And I think that in itself is maybe what glorifies the Lord the most because it shows that two people can walk together, can go through life together, can make it over the tough times together, can be blessed of God, oneness. I'm feeling very sentimental at the moment Mm -hmm. because I look back 47 years ago, August the 11th, and I really, really understand that concept, but I do now. When I feel the most complete is when my wife and I are cooperating together. When I feel the most complete is when we're getting along together, together. Now she's my caregiver. She's not just my wife, but she has become, because of the, of the struggles of Parkinson's, she has now a new title. Not just wife, not just mother. Now she's caregiver. And that is a, that defines her right now. And I think that brings glory to God because that's, that's a God thing, caring for one another. Sure. You told me before we started that the two things that are under attack are Christian marriages and ministers, pastors, and sometimes both. What damage can be done when the marriages in the church are not strong? Let me give you an example that may make you laugh, but it's not really that funny. I, I read a statement from a wedding ceremony that I have done on many occasions, and it, and it said, by his side to be equal with him and under his arm to be protected. And I, I was reading that the other few days ago, and I thought, there's, there's, there's mention of the ribs and there's mention of the arms, but nobody said anything about the armpit. <laughs> and uh, that's where the devil wants you to be, is in the pit. Okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you're under attack. You don't have to be scared by that. You just have to understand when God sees two people in love and commitment and determined that nothing is going to stop them, anything that Satan can do to discourage people by hindering or injuring Mm -hmm. anything that God has touched or made brings the devil great joy. There's nothing more that Satan enjoys more than, and that is destroying what, in fact, I was thinking a couple days ago about the importance of rejoicing. And if I will rejoice in the Lord, that makes, I believe that rejoicing makes the enemy so uncomfortable that if you keep at it, he's going to leave the room. That's what resisting the devil is all about. I think marriage, marriage is something else that when he's in the presence of a couple who are glorifying the Lord, as you said a while ago, it makes him uncomfortable and he would love, love to try to stop it. But the problem is love never fails if we don't quit. First Corinthians chapter 13 says love never fails. But what that also means is if we don't quit. And sometimes it's so hard that sometimes we quit. That doesn't mean that love failed. Mm-hmm. That just meant that we lost our sight. We lost our, we lost our focus. Yeah. Help me with this. Okay. If God places two people together... They both love the Lord, but um, but they're still humans, right? Yes. And there's still humanity. Yes. And there's still there's it's still messy. Yes. 
Any relationship is messy. If marriage was God's idea, mm-hmm. what, are the, what are the four things? Uh, God ordained marriage. God defined. He defines what marriage is. He exemplifies marriage, speaking of the love, and marriage testifies of God. So in that, is it a spiritual issue? Is, is this argument on this random Tuesday morning, is that a spiritual issue? Are the mundane things spiritual issues? Are the big picture things spiritual issues? Well, I think everything has a spiritual connection to it. We interject other parts of, of the, uh, that equation, but there is a spiritual, there's always a spiritual connection to everything, I believe. But sometimes people use that and they're blaming God for it when they say, it was, it's a spiritual thing. Yeah. It's out of my control. Well, sometimes it is. When you're dealing with two people, they each have a will. Marriage is where two people with two different wills say, we will go down the, we will go down the same path together. The key word has to be together. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we even entertain not together, the enemy says, oh, there's, there's, my, there's my opportunity. I can guarantee you, if either, the, either one of the spouse entertains the opportunity not to be together, it'll be like a boxer. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a boxing fan. But I have been told that a boxer looks for the first cut or the first bruise. And he spends the rest of the fight going after that one spot. Mm-hmm. And in a marriage... If the enemy can find that first bit of injury to a marriage, and, and, and usually it is in the area of being together, he'll hit on that and hit on that and hit on that until it weakens them and they, they just can't take it. Now sounds like a good time to go to the phone lines. When I was thinking about this, I thought of Chris and Michelle, so I wanted to talk to Chris Banta. One thing I said to Chris when we set this up is I know that he is very intentional about publicly praising his wife. We'll slot line three. That's a good hot line. Chris, you've been married for seven Uh, years, I'll say. Eight years? Eight years. Yeah, sounds good. One kid and one on the way. One one for fun, one in the oven. Uh, when we had you on for the Chris Banta episode, we talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to bring it in in the context of a marriage and family episode. So I don't think it's any accident that you are active in praising your wife, Michelle, publicly. What is your philosophy on that? Um, well, I think it's a lot of, you know, I think I can always do better. But, man, I just think a lot of my time working in nonprofit type jobs where you make doo-doo for money and stuff like one of the things that I learned through a lot of all of that stuff is like recognizing effort and so I've had different people work for me and myriads of different jobs like under me for a good little while and I don't really think about it that often but when you're managing a team or a small little group of people and you know no one's getting rich per se like if you can't overly compensate them you better overly try to praise them or and they need just people need to know that you're in their corner yeah and um i think a lot of that affects the way that i try to be a good encourager of my wife and be willing to publicly praise my wife and just it's important to be acknowledged it just is it's just good for you no one ever got sick being told they were loved too much or you know like hey you look nice today you know or just words of affirmation 
even if they're not someone's most important love language or whatever, it's something that's easy and pretty painless to do. And it's like anything else in life, if you practice it more, it becomes an easy habit. And it's things that you'll start to do out of habit. And I think that brings great peace to any relationship when there's just a constant stream of like reminders. So like, I love you, or I'm thinking of you, or hey, you know, I know my son is stressing you out right now. He doesn't want to eat green beans. He wants to eat marshmallows. Like, or he just pooped his pants. You want me to try to clean up his poop? You're super pregnant. Let me get that. Don't <laughs> bend over. When you bend over, you want to puke. <laughs> like, I'm trying stuff. to, you know, be aware. Yeah. And sometimes maybe it's important to me because I feel like maybe I'm not, I don't do a good enough job. Or maybe it's just because, like, what do they say? Like, you've got burning ears. Maybe I'm vain and I just love to, I'm like, oh, yes, heap your praise upon Chris Bitt. Let me, let me hear your delicious words of affirmation and so maybe that's why i like to give it to other people what would be your advice or stance on this um if there is a little bit of uh turmoil is too strong of a word say there are some rough waters in a relationship (laughs) strife (laughs) some light strife would it ring hollow to still take the approach of the public praise of your spouse Mm, i think you should always be honest Um, you know, like if your, your spouse, I don't know, gave you the country song and like, you know, cheated on you, took your dog and crashed your car, you need to be honest. And I don't think being like, then hopping on, you know, your socials or whatever, like, oh, here's a picture with my hot wife. It's pretty sweet. I just picked her up after she stole my car and ramped it off the interstate or something. I don't know. Escalated quickly. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like. So I think you should be honest um, yeah. in, in all cases. And But if you're looking for always negative stuff, you're going to find it, you know. Uh, sometimes that person knowing that you still care it makes a difference. And it's good for you. You know, it's therapeutic sometimes like because you're like, I want to be angry at you. And I might be disgusted with you, but I'm going to try to reflect on positive things. Yeah, you know, just staying committed. And if they do leave you and they do jump the car off the interstate, well, you know that you... You gave it your best, and I think in life and relationships and goals and everything, you want to live a life that's not littered with regret. And if you know that you have given your best attempts to love somebody, especially in times of strife, like whether it's you, them, or whoever, like fault, doesn't matter, um, I think you're going to have a lot more peace in your life. Yeah, I think just finding ways still, you know, not remain ignorant, but like try to remain positive. Like most of the time when people are doing something wrong or screwing something up, they don't need you to tell them like, hey, you know, thanks for (laughs) thanks for scratching the car today. Hey, no problem. I was so happy to do it on purpose. It's like, no, like they don't need you dumping (laughs) on them. They need you to like, you know, just ignore it and just like, yeah, whatever. The car cares. Yeah. There will be those days where it will be tough. There will be those days where it will be difficult. There will be those days when everything doesn't go quite right. But that's life. And we can get through it, especially as people of faith. We can go through the rough waters and uh, and oh, make, yeah. it, make it through it. For sure. We're all more lovable on certain days. I know I'm <laughs> definitely more lovable some days than others. There's probably days that I am less than... I don't know, fun to be with, or just, it's just like, chill out, Chris. <laughs> Gonna let you go. I uh, got one more for you. Your wife is a smart gal. 
Yeah, no uh, dummies for me. Yeah, uh, I'll give you a chance to, to praise her on the way out here. Also, in what ways do you, other than what we've already talked about, what ways do you use your marriage as a tool to glorify God? Um, I mean, hopefully through just commitment. Like, you know, in the same way, um, I think if anybody knows me, I'm, I'm really committed to my local church body. And if God truly calls me or someone else, elsewhere i'm all for it i'm like you know of course like be on your way or whatever but i just so desperately appreciate the body that i have and um trying to model that commitment and trying to you know maintain brothers and sisters in it because i need them in my life in the same way that i need my wife my life and just being committed to that you know that marriage that relationship and as a church member i am married to my church in a way you know and I hope that those two things are really intersecting to to bring, I don't know, hopefully God glory and not because of me, but because hopefully if through that I'm helping that passion's intersecting and helping my brothers and sisters to stay a part of the body. And I mean, I've been a member or a, a goer of current church now, I think for like 10 years, I think it's like, I think it's longer than anybody. I think at this point, not named Gene. I'm going to say bingo. Commitment is one key word we'll talk about. Yeah. Like that. Uh, any parting words for us, Chris? Uh, yeah, man. Like, marry a hot wife, have a hot <laughs> life. Like, you know, it's, uh, yeah. My, you know, mar- go find somebody, some brains on their shoulders, and, uh, you know, love the Lord, good things will happen. And my life is no different, so. I knew you were going to get deep on us. Of course. Only the best theology here. I was waiting for a, a bend in the road real quickly. I, I knew it had to happen sooner or later here. <laughs> oh, uh, how about you recite a, what's the, what is it, White Dove, the brother or brother song oh, about your life? Uh, how about you recite a few bars from that? Uh, oh, gross. <laughs> um, hey, well, I, I will say the way you introduce that song, no matter the venue. Oh, yeah, no. It's is pretty I cool. Say the song, yeah, like, and you can just do it kind of in jest, but you're also serious. And that takes the edge off of being serious. Like, yeah honest about anything if you crack a little joke about it but i digress brother or brother white dove look for it wherever you buy music all right thanks chris thanks for having me yeah i think you had an ulterior motive and that is to honor your wife which you've done already tonight i know the story or you i've been told the story of you discovering a song that you had written for her i believe we are attempting to get the rights to play that song here on the Big C Little C podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but can you tell us that story? I was attending Bible school in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. I decided, well, I've been with this young lady for four years, and it looks like, it, this looks like, it's quite possible that we're to be together for the rest of our lives. And so I, um, prepared. I worked at a jewelry store, a wholesaler jewelry store. I think this is an example to me, and it may be an example of somebody asked how God provides. Yeah. How better could you set up that when you needed to buy a ring, you could buy it off of 75% off wholesale, oh, off, off retail price, then get your employee discount on top of that. Oh. <laughs> So uh, when I decided to ask her to marry me, I um, got the ring set, and then I felt like I wanted to do something a little different. And I've been uh, accused of not being normal sometimes. 
I decided that I would write her a song. I must tell on myself, though, I sang at my wedding, too. And I didn't do a very good job on that one. Oh, really? No. I forgot the whole first verse and had to make up the first verse, so I didn't look, and it was not good. I should have just hummed the first verse. <laughs> but I uh, sang at the wedding, but it wasn't the song. No, I decided that I would write my wife a song, and I wrote the words down to it, and I learned the tune, and I went back, and I... Uh, visited with her when I was had a break in school and I told her I says Kathy I I wrote you a song and she smiled that sweet heart melting smile and uh, I sang it to her and become our song a couple years into marriage about three years into marriage we had been moving we had moved already I think two or three times uh, and we lost the words to the song and I didn't have them memorized. And it wasn't until about four or five months ago that we found the song again. We knew the tune, yeah. but it's not the tune, it's the message. Yeah. And so I, I had looked in this spot, I had looked in this spot over and over again for years. And it, it, I know it wasn't there, yeah. but it was there. Yeah. So I, I, I was in the bedroom of our apartment here in Franklin and I come running out of the room I said I found it she says you found what I found our song she says you found our song yes and so I immediately went into my studio mm-hmm. and began to prepare to record it for her now you have to understand my wife and I have something going and it's lasted for 47 years she's a sweetheart and yes we've had rough roads and yes, the enemy, there have been times it was quite evident that he wanted to take us out. But we, we didn't keep our eyes off our goals, and we stayed together. And now this song, it's called My Indiana Girl. Now we sit and we, we listen to that quite often. In fact, I'll turn it on at odd times. <laughs> and no matter what she's doing... I'll see that little smirky smile, and I'll, I'll, I'll know what she's thinking. She's thinking she was right when she said she was going to marry marry me. Yeah. But uh, I love this. I love the song. I love her. I want the whole world to know. I'm having a difficult time. I'm going to confess to you. I'm having a difficult time with my emotions a little bit, and with my how do I want to put it with with the self control part of the fruit of the spirit because I get upset and I'm a little irritable and I used to be known by my family and by others as a person of calm but things have changed Mm -hmm. but one thing that hasn't changed is I love my wife and Kathy I'm publicly to as many people that will be listening to this broadcast I publicly want you to know that God blessed me with a wonderful woman when he blessed me with you. I love you. Seems like I've been gone so long Missing you, I wrote this song Of this love you have brought into my world In just one more day I'll be getting on my way To see the one I love My 
Yes, I'm going to see my Indiana girl. I know she will be waiting there for me. I'll see the one I love, my Indiana girl. Last night I had a dream. Calling out to me, teardrops falling down her face like lovely pearls. Soon those dreams will end, 'cause now I'm going to spend spend some time with my love. Waiting there for me. I'll see the one I love, my Indiana girl. I know she will be waiting there for me. I'll see the one I love, my. One thing I've asked you this when you've come on before, I've asked how we can be praying for you, and I think we know some of your struggle. We don't know everything you're going through, and I believe that the church family is is good about lifting people up. I hope that we're being faithful in lifting you up. Still asking God for a miracle. I'm reminded of the song you played in studio two years ago. I claim a miracle. Claim a miracle, yeah. yeah. But I want to ask tonight how we can be praying for Kathy. I appreciate that. Yeah, I you yeah, know her better than anybody. She's struggling physically. She's having some issues. In fact, next week she's having cataracts taken off, and she has a knee that needs to be uh, made whole. Um, she's already had one knee replacement, one hip replacement, and I told my wife, I said, you know, you keep going like this, and I'm going to have a whole new wife. And we laugh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she has some physical issues. And then, of course, strength to take care of her husband. Those of you that are listening that have had the responsibility of taking care of a loved one, family member who cannot take care of themselves, I commend you for your willingness to go the extra mile. I commend you for that. So yes, pray for my wife, please. We will. At Current Church, we have a number of young couples. Got some old couples too. Got some young couples in our church. What would be your parting words as we bring this thing to a close? What words of wisdom from where you sit would you have for those of us who are younger in our marriages? I would like to leave you with three words. And I'm, I'm going to be speaking from the King James vernacular, so hang on. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> You'll find these three words in the King James in the verse that I mentioned from Genesis and from Matthew. Here's the first word, leave, cleave. And one, I think one of the problems, not everything is spiritual. One of the problems is we don't do the first one very well when we're first married. 
Leave means to let go. I remember when our children first began to walk, and, and you thought, I, I, I want them to let go, but what if they fall? What if they hurt themselves? Marriages many times have a, have a serious problems because either the families of this couple won't let go or they won't let go of their, their families. Because to be, become one, you have to do it alone. So the Bible says the man left his father and mother. He left and he cleaved to his wife. I see that as a, as a real problem. Uh, families mean well, but sometimes it can be very difficult and even destructive. So let go. Leave. You go on your own. It's time to be going in a new direction. The, the next one is to cleave. This word, I don't hear it because it's not part of our vernacular. Our, but cleave has to do with getting a grip and holding. And one of the things that has made our marriage this, this, this is we've, we've held on to each other. Cleave, get a hold, get a grip, and don't let go. Don't let go. Storms, people who interfere, economic disasters, losses of loved ones that you were close to, you and your husband need one another. Just don't let go. Hold hands, not just physically, but in your heart. I told my wife, this quality is number one with me, and that is the word commitment. Commitment, is, it exemplifies cleaving, <laughs> as used in this, in this passage. Don't let go. Sir, ma'am, don't let go. Cleave. Third word, one. I, I, think, I think I've emphasized that enough, but once... In fact, God sees this picture so clear, presents it so clear that he, he doesn't see me or Kathy anymore. He sees us as one. So if I start thinking, going in my own direction, what I'm really doing is saying, all right, I'm willing to have God, I'm willing to rip, rip myself and that person that's with me. I'm, I'm willing to just tear it up. We are one. Uh, I've got to carry this just a little bit deeper. If you are a mate who is, your marriage is under attack and you're struggling, put everything into it you got. And I know it can get difficult. I'm thinking of a lady right now who became our friend and her marriage disintegrated, but they did not divorce. And I think it was about seven years later, God worked a miracle, but she never let go. She believed somehow, she didn't know how it was going to happen, but she believed somehow, some way, God was going to bring him back. And I'm the preacher. And I'm, I'm it's been, it's been years, and I, I say, well, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah. And one day I got the word, they're together again. Leave cleave and think of it as you're one you're not two people anymore jim palmer here at the big c little c studio headquarters happy 47 years thank you congratulations on that hope to see you out running or biking (laughs) the streets of franklin 
you're in our prayers. Kathy is in our prayers. Thank you for the example that you have set. Thank you for opening up your hearts on this topic for uh, even maybe nudging me into this uh, episode because I think it needed to happen. So I appreciate it. Could we close with prayer today? That sounds good. I think, I think we should pray. And I'm praying for every married couple, whether you're doing really, really good or whether you're not doing so good right now. Heavenly Father, I have been blessed for 47 years with a wonderful wife. She's also, I must add, a great mom and a great grandma. Lord, I appreciate learning lessons of life, not just as a minister, but as a, as a married man. I pray for every couple today. Something tells me that this specific program was designed with somebody in mind, and it may be more than just somebody. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will step into the room of every person who's listening right now. And they may not be in a room. They may be outdoors. They may be in a car. But I pray that the Spirit of God, and I believe you act, you work this way, Lord. I pray that the Spirit of God will invade the place where the person is that's listening to this broadcast. And especially today, as we've dealt with marriage, I pray that you will challenge, encourage, heal, strengthen, and mend their hearts. And I'm going to do something a little bit different as I finish praying. By the authority of Jesus Christ and according to the word of the living God, which tells me that we can resist the devil and he will flee. Which tells me that we can cast out spirits. Satan, take your hands off of the marriages of these people that are listening today. That, are, that have been calling on God and looking to the Lord. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so I, I take authority, not in my own name, not in my own ability, not in my own power, not in my own strength, but in the power and the might of the Lord Jesus Christ. And bring freedom, freedom, freedom. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church. For more information, visit currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Current Church is located in Franklin, Indiana and meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear. Theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.